Hello and welcome back to the Anik Castle podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Watkins, and in today's episode, we'll be continuing the story of Anik Castle with a brief history of the family who've owned it, ruled from it, and lived in it for more than 700 years. The Percy family, now known as the Dukes and Duchesses of Northumberland. I'll be joined once again by Jenny. Hello. Who'll be providing quotes, facts, and figures as we go along. So let's get started, and I hope you enjoy. The story of the Percy family, in England at least, began just over 950 years ago, when William de Percy travelled from Normandy in France to England, recently conquered by King William I. The king gave Percy... The greatest part of the county of Yorkshire. ...to run as a baron. Percy was killed fighting in the First Crusade around 30 years later, and his successors continued as lords in Yorkshire, not yet in Northumberland, until the third Baron de Percy died without male heirs. His daughter, Agnes, was able to keep the family name alive through her marriage to Jocelyn de Louvain, who agreed that their children should take their mother's name. By the early 1300s, ninth Baron Henry de Percy had gained a reputation as a great warrior in England's wars against Scotland. A Scottish chronicle about the life of William Wallace called Percy Sober in peace and cruel in battle. Thank you, Jenny. In 1309, Henry purchased Annick Castle, beginning his family's long association with Northumberland. The Percys became a powerful and important family in Northumberland over the course of the 14th century. Marriages of Percy sons and daughters to other significant families increased their power and influence, as did their work defending their side of the border between England and Scotland from their base at Annick Castle. In 1377, the fourth Lord Percy of Annick was elevated by the king. He was made the first Earl of Northumberland, and Maud, who he called his most dear wife, became the Countess. Maud was the Earl's second wife. His eldest son from his first marriage was called Harry, known today as Harry Hotspur, one of the most famous Percys in history, not only because of the battles and rebellions he was part of in his lifetime, but also through his depiction in William Shakespeare's play Henry IV Part I. Hotspur is someone whose life was so exciting and eventful, he needs a whole podcast to himself, so you'll hear much more about him in a future episode. Hotspur never became the Earl of Northumberland himself, as he died in battle against the king five years before his father's death. Overall, there were 11 Percy Earls of Northumberland over a 300-year period, and many of them met violent ends. The second Earl, Hotspur's son, died in the Battle of St Albans in 1455. The third Earl died six years later at the Battle of Towton. The fourth Earl fought at the Battle of Bosworth, one of British history's best-known battles, in 1485. Or rather, he didn't fight. He didn't engage his forces at a key moment in the battle, which was probably a factor in the subsequent defeat and death of King Richard III in the battle, and in Henry VII then taking the English throne. 
The fourth Earl was killed by a large group of angry locals in Yorkshire four years later. The fifth Earl was known as Henry the Magnificent, and because his household book from the year 1512 still exists in the castle archives, we know a lot about the lifestyle he and his Countess Catherine would have had. A domestic establishment of 166 people, not including senior officials. Provisions were made for 57 strangers every day of the year. Four gallons of wine and 40 gallons of beer were consumed every day. 91 dozen candles, that's 1,092 candles, were used in a year. At meals, the Earl and Countess were attended by 13 different people. And their five-year-old daughter Margaret had three gentlewomen and chamberers, two rockers and a child of the nursery to attend her. Thank you very much, Jenny. Henry the Magnificent also displayed his wealth and extravagance when he travelled to France with King Henry VIII in the year 1520, bringing a long list of luxurious items with him. The marriage of the sixth Earl and Mary Talbot was much less happy than that of his parents. As a young man, this Earl had fallen in love with Anne Boleyn, with whom he may or may not have had a relationship a long time before she became the second wife of King Henry VIII. Their story is another one that deserves its own podcast, so we'll be hearing more about the sixth Earl and Anne Boleyn in a future episode. Henry VIII famously ordered the beheading of Anne, which took place in 1536. The sixth Earl of Northumberland was made to be part of her trial, but apparently became ill and had to leave the court before they declared their guilty verdict. His brother was also hanged, drawn and quartered on the king's orders. The sixth Earl died the day after his brother's execution, having agreed to leave his estates to the crown as a way to potentially pacify the king. It was Henry's daughter, Queen Mary I, who restored the earldom of Northumberland to the Percys 20 years later. She allowed Thomas Percy, nephew of the sixth Earl, to become the seventh. However, Mary's sister, Elizabeth I, looked on him less favourably especially after his participation in the Rebellion of the Northern Earls, or the Rising of the North, at the end of the 1560s. In 1572, she ordered his head to be smitten off from his body. He was beheaded. The Countess of Northumberland at the time, Anne, fled England after the rebellion, but continued to meet with rebels and correspond with Elizabeth's rival, Mary Queen of Scots. Four years after Mary was also beheaded, Anne Percy died of smallpox in a Belgian convent. After the suspicious death of the 8th Earl of Northumberland in the Tower of London, where Elizabeth had imprisoned him, his son became the 9th Earl in 1585 at the age of 21. He was also known as the Wizard Earl due to his interests in alchemy, astronomy and various other scientific subjects. Unfortunately for the Wizard Earl, he was also unable to avoid the Tower of London. He was sent to prison there after his cousin, who was also Constable of Annick Castle, a high-ranking official, was revealed to be one of the main perpetrators in the 1605 Gunpowder Plot. The full story of how Annick Castle is linked to the Gunpowder Plot is another one that you'll hear all about in a future episode. 
After the 9th Earl of Northumberland's release from the Tower of London, 16 years after he was sent there, the Percy family spent much less time at Annick Castle, with the 10th Earl, Algernon Percy, visiting very rarely. When civil war broke out between the supporters of King Charles I and the supporters of Parliament in the 1640s, Algernon sided with Parliament. A year later, sickened by the bloodshed and brutality of the fighting, he became leader of a new party that aimed for peace and compromise. But it failed to gather much momentum. There were times when Algernon was suspected of spying. He probably wasn't, but his sister Lucy, the Countess of Carlisle, had acted as a spy in some capacity since the 1620s and had been giving away information to both sides of the war. Lucy was imprisoned in the Tower of London in 1649 and threatened with torture, but luckily for her, she was released the following year. Algernon's son Jocelyn, the 11th Earl, died at the age of 25 in the year 1670, leaving his three-year-old daughter Elizabeth as his only heir. She could not legally inherit everything by herself. She needed a husband who would take her name and her titles to keep the Percy name alive, as her ancestor Agnes had done 500 years earlier. By the age of 16, Elizabeth had married three times. Hers is another fascinating story, which we will explore in its own episode of the podcast. Her third husband was the sixth Duke of Somerset. They were married with the agreement that... For the preservation of the noble family and names of the Percys, he should be called and named only by the name and surname of Percy. Thank you, Jenny. In fact, when Elizabeth reached the age of 21, she took her husband's name and waived this agreement. The Percy bloodline continued, but the family name and the titles of Earl and Countess of Northumberland wouldn't be revived until nearly a hundred years later. Elizabeth's granddaughter, also called Elizabeth, had visited Annick Castle when she was a child. She was fascinated by her Percy family history and what she called her Brawl Rough Ancestors. When her father died in 1750, Elizabeth's husband, Sir Hugh Smithson, was able to take the Percy name and they inherited Annick Castle. They made the decision to return to Annick Castle and turn it into their family's northern seat. Hugh and Elizabeth are two of the most important people in the history of the castle, and they were very influential figures in 18th century English society. They were made the first Duke and Duchess of Northumberland by King George III in the year 1766. Altogether, there have been 12 Percy Dukes of Northumberland. The second Duke had a long military career and was part of British military campaigns in France and in America, the third duke focused on a career in politics, making speeches in Parliament against slavery. His duchess, Charlotte, was a governess to Princess Victoria, later Queen Victoria, but had disagreements with Victoria's mother and was dismissed from her role in 1837. The third duke and duchess would visit Annick Castle every summer. The fourth duke, another Algernon and the brother of his predecessor, inherited in 1847. As a young man, he'd spent years travelling the world, going to Canada, 
Egypt and Italy, among other places. And much of his time as the Duke was spent restoring Annick Castle, creating new structures and a new Italian style seen today in the staterooms. However, when he died in 1865, he and his Duchess Eleanor had had no children. Algernon was also the youngest of his brothers. The succession therefore passed to his cousin, the 87-year-old George Percy, who became the fifth Duke of Northumberland, but just for two years. The sixth Duke and Duchess saw electricity come to Annick Castle for the first time in the late 19th century, and the seventh Duke and Duchess would have seen the first cars drive in. The Duke himself was photographed in a car in around 1904. When the First World War began in 1914, members of the Percy family found various ways to serve. Brothers Alan and William Percy both served with their regiment in France. Another brother, Eustace, worked in the Foreign Office, and their cousin Bobby joined the Royal Naval Reserve, dying in the Battle of Jutland in 1916. The Seventh Duke and his daughter Margaret met troops at the Annick Camp, a training camp and hospital set up in front of Annick Castle. Margaret also gave French lessons to soldiers and helped to look after refugees from Belgium. Her sister Victoria worked with the Red Cross, and Muriel Percy looked after the families of Castle staff who'd gone to fight in the war. Alan became 8th Duke in 1918, just before the First World War ended. By the time of his death in 1930, he'd written a guide to Annick Castle, one which has recently been updated and expanded by the current Duke of Northumberland as the book Lions of the North. Alan and his Duchess Helen compiled catalogues of the castle collections. These are still important reference sources today. Helen also served as Mistress of the Robes in the royal household from the 1930s until the 1960s, and she allowed evacuees to live at Annick Castle during the Second World War. Her son, the Ninth Duke, served in the war. He was killed by German machine gun fire during the British Army's retreat to Dunkirk in 1940, and so second son Hugh became the Tenth Duke, a title he held until his death in 1988. His eldest son Harry was Eleventh Duke from 1988 until 1995, when another second son became the Twelfth and present Duke of Northumberland. This generation of the Percy family have restored several of the castle's staterooms, and the current Duchess of Northumberland has created the Annick Garden next to the castle. More than 700 years after they first bought Annick Castle, the Percy family still use it as their family home today. So, as you've heard, there have been a lot of Percy family members whose stories are worth telling, and we'll be exploring many of those as this podcast continues. If there's anything we've mentioned in this episode you'd like to hear more about, or any questions you have, please get in touch and let us know. On the next episode, I'll be joined by a very special guest to talk about Annick Castle's place in film history. If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review or give us a five-star rating wherever you listen to your podcasts, and please recommend us to your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at Annick Castle, or by emailing podcast at annickcastle.com. 
Thank you again to Jenny for your voice today. You're welcome. And thank you very much for listening. I've been Daniel and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.